0: you would kill my brother. <laughs> too funny, too funny. Well, good evening. As you can see, Pastor Tony's not here tonight, uh, so <clears throat> so I'm here instead. <clears throat> Hopefully, I can say something that can uh, spur you on in your Christian walk somehow. Opening the Word of God—that should do it, right? <clears throat> Excuse me tonight. My, somehow my voice just took a uh, nosedive today. Uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, it's kind of holding on. <clears throat> and thankfully, I didn't belt out any songs, so mm-hmm. I should make it through the whole thing tonight. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> As I was pondering what to what to speak on tonight, I was thinking of of the world that we live in nowadays and how it's just uh, seems to be falling apart at the seams and. Uh, just people are so rude and crude and just, where is character and conduct anymore in the world? Um, so as, as I was pondering that, I was, happened to read in, in Thessalonians, so that's where we are tonight, in 1 Thessalonians um, chapters 1 and 2, <clears throat> I wanted to talk uh I think here shows a, a great example of of Paul and and his character and his conduct um, and how he how he ministered, um, always understanding that the way he carried himself was a reflection of Christ. So, and I think we need to do that as well as we go out into the world. We may be bombarded by critics and and all kinds of <clears throat> all kinds of things. Uh, coming against us because we know that wherever god is working satan is right alongside trying to destroy that work and to hinder it so it's imperative that we have christian character that we walk worthy of being a son of the king and i think paul does a magnificent job of that um you know Knowing where he came from as a Pharisee, killing believers, and then having that uh, Damascus road uh, um, insight where he met the Lord and uh, and then was taught by the Lord for years <clears throat> He I think was fervent for the the word and, the, and and God, but he didn't know the Lord at that point until he came to this Damascus road point. And I think there his whole world just changed, and his character, his demeanor, everything about him just changed as he was growing in the knowledge of Christ and Christ's love that uh, he, he just soaked it all in. He was like a, a child at that point, as we all are, as we come to the Lord. Children are like sponges, um, and they just seem to soak everything in. They They hear what you say. They watch what you do. They kind of put it all, try to put it together. I watched... You know, my grandson do that, and the things that he comes up with just kind of amazes me that he can put those things together. And I think Paul was like that as a child, as I think, as I said, we all are, as we come to know the Lord and understand him and and work through those things to, to become more Christ-like day by day. And I think that looking at his life as he goes through... Um, especially uh, for me tonight, this, this portion of Scripture, um, I think we can see a lot of his heart, the love that he has, the the character that he walks in, um, <clears throat> the way he conducts himself, even under persecution, um, and he's just he just keeps going. Uh, so I, I, I pray that each of us could learn from him tonight that uh, whatever's going on in our lives, we'd be able to push through it, understanding that there's a spiritual battle that we're all in, that day by day we walk through this battle and, and it won't be over until the Lord comes back. Amen. <clears throat> so let's pray. Father, I pray that, Father, you would use me tonight, Lord. The, Father, I pray that you would just uh, orchestrate my words, Lord. You you know my voice is not doing well and, uh, Father, you know that people are here to hear from your word. So I, I pray that I would speak it truthfully, Lord, that, um, that it would be spoken as it is written, Lord, and the the thoughts behind it. So, Father, I pray that uh, any misspeaking that I do, Lord, that you would just blot that from their ears, Lord, and that you would uh, just put in the words that you would want to be there, Father. So we thank you and praise you and pray that you would work in your word tonight. Amen. So. Uh, When Paul came to Thessalonica, (coughs) he came there actually being run out of town from uh, (coughs) Philippi. So as he was being run out of town, he decided, where am I going to go next? Well, he, he ended up at Berea for a short time and taught there, and then he ended up at Thessalonica. I think as he was thinking about ministry and where he should go and what he should do, remember he was blocked from Asia and Bithynia and ended up over in Macedonia. So I think where, where he was thinking was, let's think Thessalonica. It's the capital city of Macedonia. It's about 200,000 people there. There's It's a, a bustling seaport. It's a major trade center. The... Uh, um, Ignatian Way uh, travels through there. That was a, a main road from <clears throat> from Rome to the east. Uh, so that was there again. The it was on a, a on the Aegean Sea right there. So all the shipping uh, lines came through there. So there was a, a major trade center, and people were going in and out of there. And it wasn't far from Athens and and Greece. So he thought this would be a great place to plant a church. And then from there it would go out all over the world. So it was um, also a large Jewish population there. It was uh, two hundred thousand people, and many of them, I think, were probably uh, of the Jewish religion. and uh, And uh, they had uh, synagogues around there, and it, I think they were popular with the gent. A lot of the Gentiles in in that city, because a lot of the Gentiles. Um, in there, Macedonia and Greece, were idol worshippers and multiple gods and all these things. And I think they were becoming uh, disenchanted with all those gods that never really seemed to do anything for them. They seemed to be disenchanted. And I think that um, they were looking at the monotheistic religion of the Jews and thought, well, here's one god and maybe we could just pray to him, and things will will work out better for us. So, I think a, a lot of the uh, Jews, uh, uh, Gentiles were there. And uh, as as we look at the the converts that that Paul ends up with in Thessalonica, uh, most of them are Gentiles. You know, <clears throat> there were a few Jews, um, but most of them were were Gentiles who had come to to the Lord faith in the Lord. Um so, so while he was there, he wasn't there for very long. He was only it tells us in scripture that um he was there for three weeks in the synagogue, teaching the jews and then I think at that point <clears throat> you know they they had had enough of him, and they like wanted him out of there so then he started going out to the Gentiles and was teaching in the Gentile homes, whoever would listen <clears throat> so he was teaching there uh Nobody really knows how long he was there, uh, three weeks to a month or two, uh, probably, is, is my thoughts. But he taught many doctrines there, um, because the the people were well steeped in, in doctrines, and, in, including the rapture, the blessed hope of Christ returning for them. But it was only a short time of teaching. He didn't get to go into depth in a lot of things, because... Um, the Jews in the synagogues <clears throat> were jealous that Paul now was, since he was not in the synagogues, he was in people's homes, he was telling Gentiles that they could be saved, that they could come to a saving knowledge of, of God and 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 go to heaven when they died. And they were jealous of that, because, first of all, because he was taking them out of the, the synagogues. And second, that they thought that Gentiles would be the... Uh, the wood for the the fires in hell for you know <clears throat> so that kind of a thing so they were really irritated by it so as he's as he's doing this teaching they're getting all riled up and they went into the the towns and found some some people rowdy people and started a riot and they went into Jason, who's, who he was staying with, went into his house and kind of pulled him out and took him to the magistrates and everything and said, you know, this man's teaching uh, heresies and stuff and, and teaching against Caesar and, and those kinds of things. So they took a, a bond from Jason so that uh, Paul would be out of town and never come back again. So that was kind of his short stay in, in Thessalonica. He was just there for a short while and then he went on. So, by the time he gets to Athens, and then from there he calls for Timothy to go and check on them because now um, uh, he was he was hurting. He he. They were his children in the Lord, and he was ministering to them, and he taught them some doctrine but not enough, and he was afraid that the hinderer, that Satan was going to come in and just take away all the fruit that he had there. So he was really worried about that. So he uh, sent them, uh, sent Timothy there, and um, then <clears throat> this letter is sent back to Thessalonica to <clears throat> to. Tell them of the great news that he heard from Timothy about them—that their faith was th- thriving. Okay, so uh, we're not actually doing the teaching that's in Acts on Thessalon- Thessalonians, but let's read through the uh, the first uh, <clears throat> chapter here. Paul and Sylvanus, which is uh, Silas's uh, Roman name, and Timothy. To the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, and in sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know of what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all of Macedonia and Achaia who believe, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that you do not need to say anything, or we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven who he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So as we read down through here, we see that he's always giving mention of them in his prayers without ceasing for their work of faith and their labor of love. So he tells them that, that their election, their election is they're chosen by God to be his holy people, is sure because of their faith. They have a, a working faith. That they turned their faith in, in Christ. Fr- with that, they turned from idolatry. Okay, So they had, they had a God. They didn't need these idols anymore, so they left them behind, and they went towards the living God. And it turned them from their idolatry and for their from their sexual immorality, and then there was a labor of love that they had. Their Christian service—it <clears throat> was a hardworking service. That's why they call it a labor. It wasn't just going to work. You go to work, and sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not so fun. But this was a labor. They were under persecution at the time from, you know, the the Jews that were not liking them and the the um, the Gentiles who were thinking that something was going on here and their friends were going there and they wanted to stop this kind of a thing. So it was a true labor of love ministering to to the brethren there as they were in need for different things. They were they were poor and uh and just needed uh you know love and that's what uh, they were giving each other. And then there was that hope the the blessed hope of Christ's return um, that they never knew of before but now they were excited. You know, they heard Uh, the stories uh, of him and and the eternal life that he brought with him. So they were all excited about that. And again, all of these things proved out their election by God. Now, as as he was uh, teaching them in the synagogues, he knew, because he was a Pharisee at one time, he knew what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for a conquering king and not a suffering servant. So while he was there, he was reasoning with them through the scriptures for the three Sabbaths that he was there. So he was giving them, showing them well-grounded arguments from the scriptures, from from Isaiah 52 and 53, from Zechariah 12, from Psalms 22, 69, and there are others that, that speak very vividly about the, the Christ and how he must suffer and die. And so he reasoned with them in all of these things, and of course they some heard and some believed, and some went with him to to the house churches when he went there, um, but uh, most of them didn't, and they were just they were just angry and uh, thought that he was a heretic, basically um. <clears throat> so he says that our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power it's the power of god to change lives and that's what we saw in these people <laughs> the, the changed lives where they they were not sexually immoral anymore and they were not uh, worshiping their idols. They got rid of all of those things. So the power of God can do that. It's, it's done that in my life, and I'm sure it's done it in all of your lives. Where every time you turn around, there's something else that He's doing in our lives. He's constantly working. It's a it's a progressive faith that we we learn more and more of Him day by day, and for all eternity, the Bible tells us we'll be we'll be learning of His love and, and greatness. <clears throat> so. You know the kind of men that we were when we were among you for your sake. They were men of of um, righteousness and holiness, and they were blameless. You know, they were they were true lovers of people. They cared about them, and they wanted to do what was right for them. You know, they were willing to to bend over backwards for them, whatever they needed, they would do that. So, <clears throat> he's telling them that you you know what kind of men we were, because I'm sure the critics. Were, were squawking in their ears, telling them all kinds of things about Paul. It's like, oh, he's a, he's a deceiver. He's just trying to get your money. He's, you know, all the same kinds of things that go on today with the real hucksters on TV and stuff. But um, that's what they thought he was. And he was saying, but you know, you know what we were like. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the holy spirit that you became examples to all in macedonia and achaia who believe so This was Paul's idea of putting them in that place where it was a big trade center and all these roads would go out. The the seafarers would take them to foreign lands and all all these different things. So these travelers that would go through there, pass through there, they would hear these things. And in a city that's lecherous and idolatrous and and sexually immoral, somebody – it's like when you have a dark room and you turn on a light – it shines very brightly rather than if you just turn one on in a light room. So I think that that's what they were seeing here was the examples of them. They were telling people wherever they went as they went to different countries and different cities, they were saying, you're not going to believe what I saw back there. These people were, they were worshiping a living God. And, you know, they were, they were just telling it. And, And these people were amazed as they're hearing these things and, and, as, as they're traveling around, they're spreading so we can see that the, the gospel is actually working and it's going out as it should. So as you became examples uh, to all that who believe, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner and entry we had with you. because they, they were saying that this guy came in. He didn't ask for any money. He just loved us. He loved on us, and, and that's basically all that he did was, uh, you know, he, he met our needs. He helped us. He explained the scriptures. He showed us in the Old Testament um, the the testaments of the living God, he showed us in there where the prophets of old a thousand years ago had had forecasted that or prophesied that that the Messiah that was coming would be a suffering Messiah, that he would have to die and be risen again from the dead. So they were telling these things everywhere. <clears throat> so it didn't have to be them actually going out and doing that. They did it in the city there, and then it grew legs and or oars and, and went out to all over the place, So they turned to God from the idols to serve the living and true God. And that was the thing that they were telling everybody. They turned to God from the idols, not from the idols to God. There's a difference there. If you're tired with your idols and you're just going to look for something else to add into the pack of of idols you have... um, you know, you could have all the, the little saints and all those things, and you just add one more to it. You know, that's not what this is. They turned to God. They heard something about a living God, and they were they were drawn. The Holy Spirit drew them, and the Word of God with power drew them. And they dropped all those other things. They weren't needed any longer. <clears throat> and verse 10 says, "...and to wait for his Son from heaven." whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So they knew about the the risen Jesus, that that the scriptures had said he was going to be suffering and then he was going to die and then he was going to rise again from the dead. And they were understanding that. So they were looking for that, uh, for him to come back. It, it, he, he was raised, and Paul told them about the rapture when he was going to come back and, and gather them to himself. He wasn't going to leave us as orphans here. So they were looking for that, and from the, the wrath to come. And because of Christ and his cross, we're all delivered from all wrath, right, if we're believers, because he paid for everything on the cross. So when when people look at us, you know, do they... Do they see our faith? Do they see our love? You know, Do they see our hope in, in something greater than what we see around here? You know, there's a lot of people that hope for a lot of things and a lot of people that love a lot of things. <clears throat> but but the faith that they have is usually in something like the Thessalonians and, and others have, a, a faith in eter- worldly things that are not eternal. Um, so, just something to ponder I, I thought about myself as i 'm going through this that you know when people pray for us do they do they remember our faith, do they remember our love and our hope? Sometimes, I think probably not so much. you know I should probably show that a little more. you know are they assured of my salvation you know sometimes i I used to question you know but do they do they see what Paul saw in these people? do they see that I am Surely saved my election, secured by the things that I do and the things that I say, and you know. So I, I think we should all think about that as we, you know, it's when we're new believers, it's it's one thing, but we're you know get further on in the faith. Sometimes we can get lazy, or we can think somebody else is going to do that. That's not my ministry, or what whatever. We all have different ideas and thoughts that we that we say and think. But I'm just saying, just take a. Ref- Not a reflection, but a view of what somebody would think of you. As I was sitting there, I was almost brought to tears, thinking like some of the things that I do and say, and, and, you know, it's probably not reflective of Christ. So do they see the joy of the Holy Spirit within me, within each of us, you know? Do we have that joy as we walk through life? Do we respond to things or do we react to things? Many times I'm a reactor instead of a responder, and I think a lot of us are. And I think that when we walk in the joy and we have that patience and as we're growing in the knowledge of him, that we should have that. We should have a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. So just some some things to think about. Chapter 2, Paul's conduct before us. For you yourselves know, brethren, that in our coming to you was not in vain. Because why did they know it was not in vain? Because they already saw that their their work there, telling people about the gospel, had gone out. You know, I don't know if Paul got anybody off of a boat that told him that. But, you know, figure they went, you know, they were trading with probably northern Africa, and Egypt, and, you know, all over the place. The, the trade boats would go out. So who knows where it all went to. But Paul heard about it when he was in Athens and Corinth. So we know that it did go out. So it wasn't in vain because they were changed. Those people, each of those people, I'm good, thanks. Each of those people was changed because they were doing these works. They had that faith and they had uh, the service that they were doing and they had that hope. So it wasn't in vain. The the church was planted, they were changed and their great works have been uh, and their great faith had been heard around the country uh, by by travelers that weren't believers and probably became believers because of the things that they heard and more likely the things that they saw. Because I think a lot of times people look at us uh, as Christians, character means a lot to us. And if it doesn't mean it to us, it means it to God. Because when we walk... Uh, If we lose our character, then we've lost everything. People won't listen to us anymore. They'll think that he's a liar, a cheat, uh, all those different kinds of things that we could be. So we really have to be careful in the things that we do. Uh, Some of us who have lived a long time have have tarnished our our character and our reputation from things that we've done in the past, and it takes a long time to get those things back again, to to get a a character back that people can trust and believe in. So, you know, I, I think the things that are that are going on here are, are showing character in people, and I think that's what they were seeing. These travelers were seeing is the um, the, the Christian character that was so so obviously different than the world around them there. <coughs> um. So he tells us that, no, that wasn't in vain, but even after we had suffered before in Philippi and were spitefully treated, that, as you know, we were bold in our our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So a lot is going on there. There was the, the turmoil there. But the thing to remember in the midst of all of those things going on is that Paul was bold, he stepped out and did these things in the face of persecution, in the face of these people hating them. Now he had just been beaten; him and Silas were both beaten. I think I probably would have packed up my cram box and gone home. You know, I'm thinking I'll, I'll do it another day. But but he was bold, and after being beaten and treated badly at Philippi, he was suffered greatly, as did Silas. But I think that's the key to ministry. Is a boldness. And we hear Pastor Tony say that, you know, be, be bold in, in what you're doing. But boldness uh, subjected to uh, suffering, I think, is the key to his success there. Because people see that, wow, this guy, it's like takes a licking and he keeps on ticking here. He keeps going and going and going. Nothing can stop him. You know, he like gets beat up, thrown out, you know, um, stoned, and wakes up goes back in and starts doing it all over again. I don't know if I have that kind of oomph, at least yet. Hopefully someday I'll have that. But he was just doing what Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled this for him. You know, he was the suffering servant. As he walked, people reviled him and hated him and spoke poorly of him. And and he just kept going. He just kept going boldly because he knew who he was, what his mission was, and what he was supposed to do. So he just kept going and doing that as he was suffering along the way. And and that's what Paul says before. He's like, you're following us as I follow Christ. So you're basically following Christ is what he's saying. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness. This is verse 3. Error or uncleanness, or nor was it in deceit. So, Paul was saying that his source uh, of the gospel message was was the truth of God, and it wasn't false doctrine. It wasn't anything else. And this was proven out by the Bereans. Remember, the Bereans were the ones that would check everything that was said to the scriptures to make sure that it was true. So there was no uncleanness or deceit in there. There was no uh, trickery or anything of that nature. But apparently his enemies... Were accusing him of heresy and lustfulness and trickery, um, you know, uh, to lure them into something. You know, that, those were the things that were being said about him. So he's saying, no, 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 no. You know what we were doing here. We had the scriptures, and we gave you the word of God. This came from God, not from man. I'm telling you it, but it came from God. And it was pure and holy. <clears throat> so that was refuting his, his enemies there. But as, verse 4: But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. So Paul took his ministry seriously. It was sacred to him. It was something that God had given him. Remember, he met Christ you know, face-to-face on the road to Damascus. And uh, he became a steward. When, when he was anointed to do this job, he, he took that very seriously, that he was a steward of the gospel of Christ. It was entrusted to him by God, and that's what he was going to do. He was supposed to be a herald for God. He was supposed to go out and proclaim this gospel, regardless of the reaction of men. It didn't, it didn't really matter. Preferably, everybody would accept it and and be become uh, born-again believers. But he knew that that probably wasn't going to happen, especially from all the reactions that he got in the synagogues. But the thing was that he desired to please God and not man. And I think that that's what we have to do as we walk through this life with the, the message that God's given us, is we, we have to please him because he's the one we're going to stand before someday. All right, so when we stand before him and we're asked the questions, we don't get a redo you know we're saved we're there, but it's the giftings and the and the the blessings from him so good does God like the message that we're we're giving out as we go through day by day? you know is it a true message as paul's was, or do we Put embellishments on it. It's like, oh, I remember this. I don't remember the last part. I'll just make something up. Or, you know, it wasn't something like that. You have to, you have to stick to what the word is. You, know, you can't ad lib and go on. <clears throat> so he says. Um, so he wasn't pleasing man. It was God uh, who tests the hearts. God knew his heart was pure and his ministry was pure. <clears throat> Um, For neither at any time did we use flattery, flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is my witness. So here he's saying that we didn't use flattery, you know, yourselves, you know. The the words we used were honest and pure. My motives were pure. And that uh, basically what he told them was, you're lost sinners. You're heading to hell. And that you need a savior, not a religion. That's what he was telling them. It wasn't anything other than that. And it wasn't flattery for man or anything else. It was just, here's the word. You need to respond to it. So he was using them as uh, a witness to disprove the flattery uh, uh, criticism that he had. And uh, he also didn't use his ministry to get rich. He, um, to defend himself there that's that 's a tougher one to defend against, um, but to defend himself there from the charge of covetousness, he appeals to God, who alone knows his heart because covetousness is, is covetousness is one of those things that nobody can see. I can desire something of yours or or you of mine or you know those kinds of things, and nobody really knows that until you take an action to to secure it for yourself so all he could do was say well well god knows my heart you know that he knows that i'm not covetous not covetous i'm just doing this to minister to you and that's and that's it his whole purpose was pure and that's why god was using him because his purpose was pure it was the pure gospel <clears throat> mm-hmm. He says in verse 6, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. <clears throat> he says he didn't seek glory from men. That's financial support. And as we know, the, the workman is, you know, do his wages. You know, So if you're working, then you should be paid for what you're doing. But what he did was he's like, I, I don't want that. I just want to minister to you. I just want to give to you. I don't want to take from you. So he came to serve and not rule. He could have held it over them that I'm an apostle and and I need a, a bed with nice sheets and blankets and good soft pillows. I need three meals a day. I need money to take care of my knee. He could have done all those kinds of things, but he didn't. He's like, I'm not here to rule anything over you. I'm just humbly here to serve you. And that was that was his whole motive: is a humble servant. And and again, his character and his conduct. Again, we see that he's just he's just loving. That's that's what he is. And we can see um, chapters or um, verses one through six. We can see the things that Paul did not do. You know, because those were ministry killers, basically. If you had error in your doctrine, if you had deceptive motives, uh, if you used flattery or greed or you were a people pleaser or you took the glory for yourself Um, you know those were things that could kill your ministry to death it it would be dead and you would be looking for another line of work Um, I I think one good measure of ministry is who who gets the glory from it you know glory should all go to God but sometimes you see people doing things and they just want the accolades for what they've done Oh, that was a great job. You, you know, there's some of that, but when you are standing up, looking for it, kind of asking for it, um, then you've crossed the line because all glory says or God says, "I won't share my glory with anyone." <clears throat> so, these were the things that Paul uh, wouldn't do in his ministry. Now, chapter or uh, verses seven through twelve, this is what he did do as a model for all of us as servants of Christ. Uh, reading uh, verses 7 and 8, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. So here we see, Remember, he's calling him his dear children all the time, his dear children. Now we see, here's the nurturing, the compassionate heart um, that made his ministry successful. Paul understood their needs, and he was tender and gentle to them, just as a nursing mother uh, cherishes her own child, that there's a a special bond there, and that's what he had with these people, that he was nourishing them, feeding them the, the milk, so to speak, of the word. You know, they were new believers, and he was giving it to them. And then, giving them little morsels and stuff just like a mother to a child, and we can see that he was um, he was very tender with them and loving, and they loved him and um, then, in verse eight <clears throat> you know so affectionately longing for you, we were um, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you would become dear to us. You know, Paul came to a people that he didn't know before. He just kind of walked into town there and kind of met them, just like if I was to walk in here tonight for the first time, didn't know any of you, said hi, and, and then he just got to love them. You know, he, he got to know them one by one. He was sharing lovingly everything that he had with them, and he wanted nothing in return, and that was the amazing part, because usually in the world, if I give you something, I'm kind of looking for something back. You know, you kind of wait and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, you know. <clears throat> so he wasn't like that at all. He uh, he wanted nothing back from them. He loved them just as the little ones. And like his master, Jesus, he just came to serve. And that's what we have to remember is we're there to serve, not to, not to collect or anything like that. Verse 9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to you or to Be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Now, remember, he didn't take any glory from them, any financial support. What he did was he worked as a tent maker. I think we all know that, or most of us should know that. That he worked as a tent maker, earning a living to be able to 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 live on his own, so he wouldn't be a burden to them, uh, because they were poor, persecuted. It was a, a poor community. Uh, so basically the gospel cost them nothing, but it cost Paul a lot because he was working day and night, day during the being a tent maker, and then at night he was probably up doing ministry, praying with them, um, trying to help somebody come to Christ, uh, helping them understand hard truths of the gospel that he may have told them during the, the day, and then praying for strength and wisdom for the next day, like, Lord, you know what I'm going to face, I don't, Praying for the strength, just like all of us do as we go go through our days. So another thought, how much time do we spend serving the Lord? You know, As I, as I think of that, I think, oh, a lot, a lot. But then when I sit down and I think about it, it's like, well, oh, it could be a lot more. It's really not a lot. It's like sometimes in our minds we make things bigger than they really are or smaller than they really are. <clears throat> so just another thing to think about, how much time do we actually spend in prayer and serving the Lord? And that could be in in numerous different ways. Verse 10, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So before we saw how he was the mother figure to them, and now he's showing how he's the spiritual father to them. Uh, We see Paul as a father figure. Uh, He showed model behavior to them, uh, how to walk holy, righteous, and blameless towards God and man. And again, that's his character and his conduct among them, which is what we should uh, try to, to glean from him. His holiness was a separation to God and from sin. His righteousness is his character and his conduct and is blameless toward God and to man. As the mother figure, he displayed tenderness and love. And as the father figure, he shows wisdom and counsel. Here we see him exhorting, as it says there, exhorting, which is encouraging, comforting, which is in this case counseling, charging, where he's begging or imploring them to walk worthy. Walk worthy. In spite of the persecution, walk worthy before the Lord. Because if you don't, people will be watching. And how do you walk worthy? You walk worthy by submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit, by confessing and forsaking sin continually, not just once, but continually. And we need to walk as children of the King. We can't walk like every other child of the world out there I remember as a kid, I'd be like, well, everybody else is doing it, you know, and we kind of do those kinds of things. And sometimes we want to do that with our Christian walk, too. And it's like, well, what's it going to hurt? I'm just going to, you know. And, And we have to remember that people are always watching us. They're always watching us to see if Christianity is real. If Christianity is real. And if it satisfies. Does it satisfy us, or am I always kind of, like, around the corner looking for something else. People get that. They see that. Even if you don't say anything, it's our actions that they pick up on. So we have to be careful of that, whether or not it pays to serve the Lord or not. They're looking at all of those things to say, I don't know. I have enough problems now. I don't want to add anything else on. So we have to be careful that we're walking in the joy of the Lord and that we're doing the things that he calls us to do and not out wandering the world looking for other things that may shipwreck us, because we all think that we're really strong and we can stand up against all those things. But Satan is very, very crafty and looking to take all of us down, one by one or in mass. <clears throat> okay, uh, verse thirteen. Uh, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So we've seen that already, how the work, the word worked in them, the great power to change lives, to, to turn somebody from a, a dreadful sinner to a sterling saint. So it has great great uh, power in it, but he was deeply thankful that, that people listened and heard and accepted it because I think many times as you're speaking, you see people like thinking like, uh, I think Tony has said this before, um, you know, what am I going to do? I think, where am I going to go for lunch after this? You know, then I have to go here and I have to pick this up and I have to take my daughter there and I, all these different things, but they were intently listening to the word and the things that he said formulating questions that they would ask him later. And he was deeply thankful that they received and accepted the message. And not just his message, but it was the authoritative word of God. Only God's word can be fully trusted. And only when his word is trusted are the results produced in our hearts and our lives. So we have to fully trust in him for that. Verse 14 for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have pers- persecuted us. And they do not please God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up their measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. <clears throat> so they were able to stand firm in the face of the severe persecution, just like the churches in Judea did uh, as as they, the Jews were coming by and, and, and persecuting them. Um it was a steadfast endurance that they became imitators satan's walking right alongside remember wherever there's a work of god satan's right there trying to to hinder you or to just destroy the work that you're doing there so it's it's imperative that you that you have a steadfast endurance and just keep walking as paul did <clears throat> you know the hardest thing to to do is to stand fast in what you believe when think of uh, when you were a new believer and your family, friends, and others opposed your belief. You know, it's like, I remember when I first said, yes, you know what? I accepted the Lord. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I didn't get a big round of applause from anybody. They were like, oh, yeah, you're one of those now. Because we had at work, we had this guy, his name was Norm, and he would always go by, hand out Bible tracts or verses and Everybody would, like, throw them away, but I would just, like, stick it in my pocket because I didn't want to hurt the guy's feelings. But, you know, most of the time they went through the wash or something. I didn't read them. But a couple times I did, and that was shortly before I actually got saved. So, you know, it's, uh, don't give up. Just keep going. <clears throat> but but that's hard, you know, and it was going to be hard for them in Thessalonica when they were accepting the Lord and going back and saying, okay, we're getting rid of all your idols, honey. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a minute. Those are my idols. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm getting rid of mine. And then, you know, it's like you have that whole battle going, you know, where, man, you probably know when your wife comes in and it's time to change the decorations or something. It's like all those things go out. And, and by the way, your garage has to be cleaned. And, you know, that's kind of like, well, no, 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 this is my stuff. These are my idols. These are my things. So there was, I'm sure, I'm sure that kind of day-to-day uh, thing going on there, you know, once people became believers now these people that were persecuting them they thought that they were doing god a a blessing you know that they were they were doing great things for him and pleasing him but paul says that they weren't doing that not not by any means you know this was a work of god and they were going right against that you're not pleasing god you're contrary to all men they wouldn't even let them talk to... That's why they came at them when they were ministering to the Gentiles, because they were like, no, 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 Gentiles can't be saved. You can't minister to them. You know, Whether it was because you were taking them out of their church in Thessalonica or whatever, they were saying that, no, you couldn't do that. And Paul is saying here that... Um, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, just like uh, they, they killed the Old Testament prophets their crowning glory was killing christ well they didn't actually kill it they incited the romans to to kill him but that's what they were doing thinking they were pleasing god and and uh, he's saying no, no 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 your your cup is full god will let you get so much sin before he, he says enough I'm, my long suffering is done so here um he says that uh, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost we don't really know what that is um I kind of think it's probably that it's a, a form of spiritual blindness now. That because they've pushed back so far and so long and so hard, that God just turned them over—spiritual blindness and hardness of heart—that had come upon the majority of the Jews because of their unbelief. You know, if you look at Romans eleven, um, you know, it kind of tells us there, um, God has given them a spirit. Romans eleven. Eight, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. So it's uh, it's a terrible thing to happen. But again, God is long-suffering, but... There is an end to his uh, patience. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and our joy. Paul explains his failure to return. Again, his critics were probably saying all kinds of things to them, um, you know, just inciting all kinds of uh, hate against him. Uh, you know, that he's a deceiver, a coward, uh, just wants your money, and when you weren't giving it to him, he went on to, to get somebody else's money, all those kinds of things. So he's he's telling them now why, you know, that that he had to go. Um, so he was taken away because of, of the riots that were happening in Thessalonica. Um, Jason put up the bond money and everything, and he had to leave town, him and Silas. So he probably didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. It was probably, go, go right now. Don't even pass go. Don't say hi to anybody. Just go. So everybody was like, where, where is he? What's going on? What happened? And then Jason was probably filling them in, and then all the critics were probably um, going in as, as well. You know, But Paul felt, because these were his children now, then he was taken away from them. He felt as though uh, they were orphaned now. They, they had nobody to teach them. So, what was going to happen? what you know, as their father, you know he was driven away, uh, he longed to see them think think yourself it's like you know if your your child is somewhere or a brother or sister is somewhere, and, and you need to you hear they're having a hard time, you want to go to them, you want to help them out however you can, and he just couldn't get there. you know he won probably the bond for Jason, and then Satan was hindering them from going back there. And we don't know what that was, but he always finds a way to put roadblocks in things and destroy. Um, that's what he's good at. So we see that um, that his heart wanted to be with them. So we were taken away from you physically, but not in heart. They endeavored more eagerly. So you see his heart there again. More eagerly, we endeavored to see your face with great desire. I'm sure he prayed more. He did all those things uh, just for them. Uh, Finally, in um, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul wants them to know that in the midst of all the spiritual warfare, remember your blessed hope. Remember Christ is coming back again. And remember, he's going to return for us and take us out of here. You, know, you should be walking in your joy, and you are my joy and my crown of rejoicing. For at that time when he sits before Christ and he can show all of these people that he had brought to the Lord uh, through the Holy Spirit working through him. Uh, so he was looking at them as his joy and his crown of rejoicing. And then I get to thinking it's like, do, do I have any spiritual children? I don't know if I do. You know, I've gave many people the gospel, but You know, I don't know how many actually came to the Lord, you know. And then I think, okay, well, you know, one person sows the seed, one person, you know, waters and another harvest. So I I don't know, but it's just another thought. I I think for as a church, you know, how, how do we do evangelism? How do we reach outside of these walls? You know, how do each of us individually? We're called to each one of us go out into the world and tell people, right? Isn't that what the gospel is, for us to go out and do that? And do we do that? You know, it's like we don't have to to go and stand with a sandwich board and all those kinds of things, you know, and be weird, but there's just ways you can do it. Anybody can hand out a tract, you know, anybody can pray for somebody else that they would come to the Lord. Anybody can invite somebody to church, you know, so there are things we can do, but we can have many excuses, I think. And and I think that the, the Lord's just impressing upon me that, you know, that there should be more, you know more fruit in my life. Hopefully you get something from that. Let's pray.